amidst all of this, you're in all of this pain, most people who are going through such pain of any, they tend to retreat. They tend to not want to talk about it. They tend to want to like, a lot of people turn to drinking or to other bad habits. You decided to write a book. So yeah, the divorce wound up being a blessing. My goodness, like when I look back, I'm like, you know, it was a horrible time, but I would not be where I am today had it not happened. If I was still married to my ex, there was no way, you know, I look back now, I'm like, it was like the greatest blessing. I once wrote a blog post um, called, thank you to the other woman. <laughs> thank you for taking me. <laughs> um, it was, you know, it, it just was destiny, really. So are you going through some tough times right now? Maybe you're going through a really ugly divorce. Maybe your business is falling apart. Maybe you're having a huge fight with a sibling. Something big, something that you think could be catastrophic. The types of things that could put people into eternal depression or could be the end of someone's life or you get the point. Well, you know what I find personally, just I haven't done research on this, but just looking at all the people around me in my life and my own life, I find that most of us, if not all of us, go through something or things in our lives that are bad that are horrible, that could, and for many, do become the end. They kind of define the rest of someone's life. Today, what I wanna do is express and explore how can we turn that one thing that you're either experiencing right now or recently experienced in the last five, 10, 15 years, or might be inevitably going to be experiencing soon. How do we take that lemon and turn it into lemonade? How do you actually turn that into the greatest thing possibly that has ever happened to you? Or how do you use that to unlock the greatness that could be coming for you? Um, and we have the perfect guest today to help us unwrap all of this. So our guest today is someone who I had the pleasure of meeting, uh, oh, I would say about six, seven months ago, virtually over the phone. Um, my team messaged me and said, hey, this is someone you should talk to given her business. And she joined our mastermind that I have called Board of Experts. And I will tell you, and she doesn't know this, she doesn't know I was going to say any of this, that since the first time I ever had a Zoom call with her, and I've only met her in person, I think, once so far, but since the first time I ever had that Zoom call with her, one of the things that I couldn't shake was her composure, her, her decorum, the way she presented, her smile. And I remember thinking, man, she is just calm. Like, she's just calm as a cucumber. Like, she's just, it's a nice presence to be around. And then after that, we tested it. We tested her patience. I'll be, I tested her patience if I'm honest. We were supposed to have a one-on-one -on -one consult. It's part of the mastermind and just things kept happening and it kept getting rescheduled. And then the worst of it was after all these reschedulings, it got rescheduled to a day I didn't even know. And I didn't show up. And Christina, who was sitting there and I felt like complete crap. I was like, oh my God, I am not representing myself the way I'm supposed to right now. And you know what? She was just as elegant and as awesome and as sweet. Um, I've, I've gone on to since find out she's got kids and grandkids and probably has something to do with the patience that she's shown me. Um, you would never know, by the way, when you see her, she's absolutely beautiful and she's just such a great person. And today she's going to talk to us about how she turned an absolutely horrid divorce that happened in her life into something amazing. And the amazing thing is today she gets to lead a Facebook group of over 665,000 women. She's empowering women all over the world and doing it in masses and doing it. And she never was meant to do this. She was never meant to be an entrepreneur, but something horrible that happened to her 
that she embraced, leaned into, turned into that. So without further ado, help me welcome to the Onyx and Gall Show, Christina Rowe. Christina, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Onyx. This is a, uh, an honor to be here today. I'm so excited. Wow. Yeah, the honor is all, all, all mine. And, and for everyone who's watching on YouTube, you might also see a special guest make a guest appearance every now and then. And that is Christina's cat. Uh, she or he has has been trying. You can see the camera ruffle every now and then. There, there. She's trying to to get on the episode. Yeah, I thought he was sleeping, and now he's. You know, he of course has to wake up while we're doing this. Yeah, he's standing right awesome. over the computer right now. <laughs> he's he's most welcome, Christina. You you've you've got a tremendous story. Uh, it's very rare. A lot of people go through really hard things in their life. A divorce is one of those. You know, people go through business partner breakups, divorces financial failures, uh, health conditions. Uh, I'll be honest with you, currently in my life, I'm going through something that is pretty, it's pretty catastrophic. It's pretty big. It's, it's a, it could be a big problem. And um, you would never know. People would know. I'm floating through it very differently. And so I'm, I'm actually listening to this episode to be inspired myself. But you went through something so horrible. Somehow, something made you harness it very differently than most people do. And my goal today in this episode is to unlock that and to really inspire a lot of people listening. So first, Christina, tell us a little bit about your background. What were you doing years ago? What led you to this? And you know, tell us a little bit about that, that divorce that you mentioned that was kind of a defining moment of your life. Sure, sure. So going back, I'm going to say this many years ago, um, you know, I had four children. I was living in New Jersey at the time. And, you know, I thought I was happily married. We had a hair and nail salon in New Jersey. And my um, ex-husband, he works in uh, IT. He worked actually for L'Oreal. This was many, many years ago. And then I found out that my husband at the time was having an affair with one of the hairstylists at the salon. And uh, so that was a shock. And that was the beginning, you know, the obviously the end of the marriage. And what happened was he became very, became very ugly, very fast. So I had said to my ex-husband, all right, you know, he denied, of course, you know, having the affair and, but there was, you know, proof people saw them together and this and that. So I said, well, let's just split everything. You go your way. I'll go my way. And he said, no, you get nothing. And when he said that he met my children. So he refused to pay child support at the same time. Um, and the divorce became very um, nasty, very quickly, a lot of drama. Um, in fact, Two months into it, uh, my father who was 59 at the time. Um, he was so stressed out by the situation because it was, you know, just a really ugly divorce. Um, he had restraining orders. My ex-husband twisted my arm. You know, he was just, it was just bad. He wound up dying suddenly of a heart attack on Christmas Eve that year, right in the middle of the Whoa. divorce. So it was like, you know, it was just overwhelming, you know, what was going on. Because here I was, you know, having this horrible divorce, um, going through lawyers, you know, they take you know, $5,000 retainer and they blow through that. This was years ago. They blow through that in like a month and they want more money. So with him not paying child support, it was, you know, it was just most traumatic time period of my life. So I went through a year and a half in the court system fighting with my ex-husband. And then I said, you know, this, I never knew any of this, like how to get a good lawyer, how to navigate the court system. I mean, most people don't know any of this. So I decided to write a book called Seven Secrets to a Successful Divorce, What Every Woman um, Should Know. And each chapter would tell them how to, you know, be able to do, you know, navigate the court system, how to behave, you know, how to get a lawyer, you know, how to do all these things in order to be successful with your divorce. 
And um, after I wrote the book, I actually decided to like see if I can get it published. But then I went down the online marketing road instead. I decided to do that instead of going to a publisher. And I winded up uh, learning online marketing. And one of my first mentors with that was Matt Basic. And I went to his uh, workshop in Atlanta and learned some internet marketing. And then once I started promoting the book, other authors and people would contact me and say, well, how are you doing this online? Because this is back, you know, 2006 when we still had front page, you know, just back in the day, you remember those days. <laughs> there was no click funnels back those days. <laughs> this is the second time front page has come up in my life today. I'm telling you, it's front page is my favorite software ever created. And it's the second time someone's brought it up today out of the blue. So anyways. Oh, that's so funny because it was so easy yeah. to use too. Yeah, yeah, it was like when I learned when I learned how to make that squeeze page, it was like, wow, you know, <laughs> so I'd be able to, to build websites out. And so that's what I wanted to doing. So um, I winded up being able to, you know, help other women doing coaching, which then led to me meeting two other women in South Florida where we created a women's organization and I would do put on big events. So it would have like, you know, hundreds of women come and attend. We did workshops and we did all of that. And then that led into women helping women entrepreneurs, which um, the partners decided to do other things. And I kept the women's organization. And in 2016, I launched the Facebook group with about, you know, I started off with the local women in South Florida. So it was about like a thousand members. And that's since grown to 665,000 members. So yeah, the divorce wound up being a blessing. My goodness, like when I look back, I'm like, you know, it was a horrible time, but I would not be where I am today had it not happened. If I was still married to my ex, there was no way, you know, I look back now and I'm like, it was like the greatest blessing. I once wrote a blog post um, called thank you to the other woman. <laughs> thank you for taking me. Out. Um, it was, you know, it, it just was destiny really. Were, was the, were you in a happy marriage? Was it like, was it a nice, good marriage up until the day you found out that he's like cheating on you or was it kind of going that route? Yeah, I thought it was, you know, like okay. you think because you're in denial, but now looking back, I would say no. You know, my ex-husband was very, he had a lot of issues. He was very needy and he would always, you know, um, I'd say, oh, you're not paying enough attention to me. There was a lot of that going on, gaslighting kind of stuff you know, going on that I didn't see at the time that I saw later on after I was detached from the situation. So it was like the universe stepped in and you know, removed me from that situation. Yes, it was terrible because it was, you know, he even went to jail for not paying child support, believe it or not. They put him, wow. the judge threw him for a month, which is very rare. Most judges do not put people in jail for not paying child support, but he, we got a judge that threw him in jail. And so it was really tough on my kids because it was just really ugly and vicious and horrible. And I didn't want it to be that way. But when you have someone else got a lawyer who's telling them to be like that and you're trying to fight that, it's very difficult. And at the end yeah. of the day, his when he ran out of money, the lawyer dropped him. And a year and a half later, he's like, okay, let's settle now because he had no more money. So that's when things turned around. We were able to settle and you know, stop all the nastiness in court. So. Uh, yeah, so if it had, that all had not happened, like I would not, you know, be doing what I do today, you know. So I. What were you doing professionally? What were you doing while you were married? Well, while I was married, I had the four kids, but I was also running the hair and nail salon. I don't personally do hair and nails, okay. but we had hairdressers and we had a whole salon full of people, and that was what I was running. And that, actually, there was a battle in the divorce for that business. He wanted the business, and the judge oh. awarded it to me. 
And interestingly enough, when um, after he lost the business, he decided to um, get revenge, which, you know, it's like what remember that movie War of the Roses. I don't know if anybody remembers that when they just wind up killing each other at the end of the of the movie, the two divorcing couples, um, the couple that was divorcing. And so similarly, he like destroyed, they tried to destroy the business by getting the um, hairstylists and nail people to go to the salon across the street. So one day I had like almost my entire salon say, we're leaving and we're going across the street. And I was like, I had four people, I think, left. And that was really difficult because the house that we were living, our family home, you know, when you have a strip mall, you're in a strip mall, we had to sign a guarantee that our family home would be um, the collateral. So if we were to default on that rent, they could have taken the house. Wow, I've never heard of that before. Dang. Yeah, it was a really crazy lease we had in with the strip mall in New Jersey. And so like his actions were, you know, just out of revenge. You know, he made up a rumor that, the business was going to go under, which was not true. So luckily the four people that I had were loyal. And, you know, I said, well, this is, you know, we have to do something to keep this business floating. So we winded up um, getting other hairstylists from another salon who came and it saved the business. Uh, And then, um, then I sold it. Then I was like, okay, that's it. You know, I'm out. This business is too unstable because, um, if anybody's in that industry, you know, these people jump around salons all over the place all the time. So, you know, that could destroy another a salon that, you know, people walk out. So then I winded up selling it. Customers bought it. I got out of that. And that's when I started doing the the online marketing in the book and everything. So a couple of questions. One is you said you were in Florida. You You were with partners. You started running events with hundreds of people. Were those events specifically for like divorce related or at some point did you pivot away from the divorce topic to like serving women entrepreneurship? Yeah, once we um, we started that organization, it was for all women. It was for women entrepreneurship. So these events, we would have, you know, speakers. We had one event, we had Les Brown speak. We would have, you know, different internet marketers come and speak on stage and we would do that, you know, revenue split with them, with what they sold. So that was the model for, for several years. Plus we would do like workshops and we would do luncheons. And so we would, we would do that. And that was all in South Florida at the time. Got it. All right. So let's unpack a few things here. So, um, and, and, you know, we will, we'll talk towards you know, later on for those of who are like, how has she built that group to 665,000? We'll talk about it. Cause it's definitely a question I've got. But I'm more intrigued about some of the parts that you brushed over. So you're going through this horrible divorce. Um, your father passes away, which, I mean, I can't even imagine the double, triple stacking, right? And you've got this divorce is not just, it's not just a divorce. I mean, it's like a poisonous divorce. You've got bills stacking up. You've got a fight for your business. And you have how many kids at this point? four kids. So you have four kids that need to be taken care of. I've got one 10 month old daughter and I can barely figure life out right now. Um, you know, it's so I can only imagine amidst all of this, you're in all of this pain. Most people who are going through such pain of any, they tend to retreat. They tend to not want to talk about it. They tend to want to like, a lot of people turn to drinking or to other bad habits. You decided to write a book. I'm really intrigued. Can you, can we spend some time talking about the psyche because a lot of people right now that are going through really tough times, I want to give them ideas. Maybe writing a book is not the right thing, but I want to give them an inspiration to say, hey, take that big challenge you're having and instead of hiding behind it, get out in front of it. So why did you write a book? Like what was your, what even got that idea out there? Why did you want to be out in front of all of this? 
I think because it was to me, I couldn't believe like what was going on. Like it was so shocking to be thrown into the court system. And, you know, they would you get a court date and then they would cancel it. You know, it just happens all the time, which I didn't know. And then like another month would go by. Meanwhile, I'm not getting any child support and I'm going to borrow money like my family, my brother um, and my mother, because like the house would get foreclosed on. I mean, we had a beautiful house in New Jersey. We had a mortgage. And so here I'm like scrambling and I'm like, well, what's going on? I'm like, how do people, other women, you know, don't have money or somebody to borrow from? How are they surviving if they're going through a divorce and their um, ex is not paying any child support or helping to support the bills? And the courts are just like making you wait months and months and months to get in front of a judge. You know, I just saw how crazy the system was and how unfair the system was. And I figured, you know, people really need to be warned about this, especially how the lawyers are the ones who benefit during a divorce. It's the lawyers who are the ones who, you know, they, they see any sort of property or money in your divorce. You're going to have, an, you know, a difficult divorce unless you were able to settle. That's why I always advise anybody going through a divorce. If you can settle, settle, even if you have to take, you know, give up a little bit. Once those lawyers get involved, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to be giving a lot of money to the lawyers and it's a waste of money. So the best thing to do is, you know, try to figure out a way to, if you can. And unfortunately in my circumstance, my ex was not, would not mediate, would not settle at all. So, so your motive for writing the book, were you kind of like, just, were you, was this like, did you sit down one day and say, Oh my God, like there's an opportunity here. I could write this book, make some money and help women. Or were you like, holy crap, this system sucks. I just need to get the message out to help people. Um, and it wasn't really necessarily about the money, more so about helping people. Yeah, it was about helping really, because I would say if anybody got help from the book, that was going to be, you know, the most important thing. And, you know, um, it, that was my main motivation. Of course, you know, I did have hopes that it would sell and that I would be able to, you know, help other women at the same time. Um, so I did, you know, want that as well. I did want to getting a lot of publicity from the book. I did um, the largest divorce party I'd said in the world. Well, that's what I claimed it probably was because I don't know how many people did a large divorce party. Um, and we had tons of uh, media on that because we had like a black wedding cake. We had um, it was at a place we had 400 people show up to this thing and we had um, the song like Love Stinks play and we had like all these gimmicky type of things to make it fun. And uh, we had an actual toilet bowl and we had the throw your little plastic rings into the toilet bowl on the dance floor. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so we had all these well, crazy things. We did actually three or four of those. So like the media went crazy that, you know, the, they came with the van and everything, you know, so we got tons of publicity from that. So, and I was also on the um, back in, it's no longer on air, but the Mike and Juliet show, which was on Fox at the time. And they flew me out to New York and I got to do that. But people always think, you know, you get on these shows, you're going to sell a ton of books you know, it really doesn't work that way. Like I learned the hard way, like your book is your business card, really. You know, that's, that was a, you know, you're not going to like very rarely, even if you have a publisher, is somebody going to make like millions of dollars, you know, off a book. So I didn't know that that's what kind of geared me into the whole online marketing aspect. When I learned that, that this wasn't going to be, you know, I'm not going to make, you know, a million dollars from this book (laughs) to support my family. (laughs) But I mean, but what I'm hearing from you also is like, it's interesting. You went through challenges. You have now, because you went through the system and through the challenge, you have this access to this very unique knowledge 
that other people don't because you've been through it. And just so it turns out there's probably a lot of other women out there that are going through a divorce. So this is me talking to anyone who's going through anything right now, right? Going through a health condition or you're going through a, anything. Guess what? You're not the only one. There's probably a lot of other people currently going through that right now. And there's about to be a lot of people that will be going through it soon. And there's a lot of people that have already been through it. So you've got like those three stages and it's like you could fit into any of those and actually lean into what's going on. Christine, uh, so, okay, so here's a question. You seem to have kept a pretty good attitude during this time. I mean, you planned parties, you had toilet bowls with plastic rings going in them, you had the largest divorce party, you made a thing of it. Um, and, and, and you faced a lot. I mean, to go through, obviously, even your father dying, there seems to be some mental strength or some kind of, did you have a certain way you approached your hardship? Was there certain exercises you were doing? Was there certain ways you were keeping your attitude? Or is that, are you just, you know, hey, I just was like this? Or are you like, no, I was a total mess during that time and I got myself together later? Yeah, I think, you know, when it first started, and when my father, before he passed, you know, um, he would, you know, I was like kind of naive to the whole thing with the divorce. I'm like, you know, I read a lot of like Dr. Wayne Dyer's books, very on the spiritual side. And um, I remember my father looking at me and he's like, you know what, this is war. You have to step up to the plate because this guy's after you now. And, you know, basically you're you're going to war with this guy, which I didn't want to believe, but it was true. So that um, gave me a lot of strength when he passed. Um, I, I, something clicked inside of me because I was like, all right, this is, you know, I don't know how, where I got the strength from, but I'm like, I am going to fight him and I'm, he's not going to, you know, get the best of this work. I'm going to get through this. And, and that's, uh, I had to like, I guess it was inner strength or, you know, especially not having my dad around anymore. He was a very strong man. He was, you know, uh, you know, always giving me advice and for him to be suddenly gone. And having to deal with that, I obviously was in shock too. And then having to deal with my ex-husband who's gone crazy at the same time. So it was, it was, I think all of that, it could either break you or, you know, or it can make you stronger. And for me, thankfully, it made me stronger and made me more of a fighter because I felt like, you know, no, I'm got, you know, this is not going to be the way it ends. Like he's not going to get away with this. And, uh, and just, you know, just by sticking in and not giving up. And I think that's for everything in life. If just, you know, any hardships that you have, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, what the outcome is going to be, because it could look terrible, which it does at the time, you know, like thinking, okay, like in my situation, I've got these kids, I'm going to lose my house, you know, I'm going to, you know, how am I going to support them? But when you plow through all of that, you know, at the end of the day, things do get better. And there's, I believe there's a reason for everything. You know, that out of, you know, what do they say? You know, everything's not happening to you. It's happening for you. For and you. I think that's yeah. really, really true. You know, in my case, it was definitely true that, you know, all those terrible things happily, you know, happened for eventually for my benefit. Yeah. How long ago was this, by the way? Well, the divorce started by way back in two, almost 20 years ago. It was 2003. It started. It didn't resolve to like almost 2005, 2006 completely. Okay. So, yeah, we're talking a, a lot of time that has passed, you know, to have this perspective and, and and for people going through divorce and having a hard time with your exes afterwards, I could say now me and my ex-husband, um, you know, we could be in the same room together when my younger daughter got married. He was at the wedding. Uh, my mother and brother used to hate him, but they actually were talking to him. So that was a big breakthrough because when you get to those things with your, you know, family, your child's getting married, how do you have the ex who you hate, you know? 
there, but I don't hate him obviously anymore. We can get along and, you know, I don't really talk to him that often now that my kids are grown, but the forgiveness, you know, came. So people, I know a lot of people struggle with that for years and years and years where, you know, they have an ex that they still hate, you know, and they can't be in the same room. And now they have the children going through life events and grandkids and, and that's the worst. So if anybody's out there, you know, it takes time. You just, each party has to be able to, you know, overlook and like forgive the past in order to move forward. Well, 2005, 2006. Um, and then, so when, cause, cause I, you said you launched your Facebook group in 2016. I had written that down. That was about 10 years. When did you release the book on, on divorce, like your divorce book? That was 2006. The book came out okay. like late right. 2006. So right as the divorce, as it like ended, as the court stuff ended, that's when you were like, okay, it's, it's done. Now I can write the book about how I did this. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's exactly the timing. Yeah. Did you, um, did you start thinking about writing the book kind of halfway through it or was it like, was it, were you waiting for it to end so that you could publish this book? Like when did you get that idea amongst the whole process? Yeah, I believe it, it happened toward maybe not in the beginning. Obviously I was, you know, just in shock from my father passing and going through the divorce, but toward the end when we, um, I started to get, I don't exactly know when I got the idea, remember, but when I got the idea, I started just writing chapter by chapter and then I hired an editor to edit it. So that gave me, you know, as I started doing that, I got more excited about, you know, trying to get it published or self-publishing, but I would say it was probably toward more toward the end. Got it. Amazing. Um, and so then it was, it was, you know, I, I just really want to commend you. First of all, I think it's amazing that you, you did that and you found the lemonade or you made the lemonade out of lemons. And um, to all of you, I just feel like there's someone who needs to hear it. So I'm just going to say it. Cause I can kind of feel like you're going through something right now. That's a big challenge in your life. And you know, there's a lot of other people that will let that thing be the thing that takes them downwards. And I'm just challenging you today to listen to Christina's words and to let that be the thing that actually rises you and gives you the uplift by serving others who might be very well going through the same thing and immersing yourself. Um, I recently had something happen, you know, about a year ago and uh, it was, it was pretty, it was like, wow, it was one of those like whiplash type of moments. And I decided personally, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to lean into this. And there's a lot of other people. If I'm feeling this, there's a lot of other people that are going to feel this or that are scared of feeling this. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to really give to that community. I'm just going to start giving as much value rather than focusing on the whole, like what's going on what's happening to me. I'm going to turn it into a, what's happening for me. It's given me sanity. It's given me happiness. It's given me the ability to push through it. And it's actually helped a lot of people. So, um, you know, I love what you did. I've done it. And to those who are listening, you guys should do it. Um, so Christina, then you wrote the book in 2006. Walk me through a little bit. And, and by the way, for everyone who's listening, you don't have to write a book. Like it doesn't have to be, a, if a book is not your way, start a Facebook group, you know, join a local group. Like, I don't know, write some blog posts about it, start a podcast about it, do, do anything. There's a gazillion ways you can start serving. Um, you don't have to really think, because Christina, when you wrote the book, did you think today, like you have a group of 665,000 women entrepreneurs that you empower? Did you think that was the outcome? Was that part of your plan? Was that like the plan you wrote out? 
No, no. <laughs> I never imagined, you know, how life would lead me to that. Just meeting, like even how when I wrote the book and then I had went to South Florida, the first woman, the first one was one of my partners. She was also wrote a book for children for divorce. That's how we connected. Then she put us, me in touch with a friend of hers who actually had a women's organization already in South Florida. And then we partnered up and created a new one. So all those synchronicities would not, you know, it was just, I never imagined that, like how it would lead me on this path. Like it was just like the universe did that. Yeah. Well, because if the divorce, so if the divorce never happened, you may never have even turned to looking into the world of online marketing writing a book or any of that right so it's like every single connection you have today the fact that you and i know each other today is actually as a result of probably one of the most tough times of your life that you ever faced that you know you wouldn't wish upon your worst enemy but then it's like you said you look back you're like well i wouldn't be where i am today without it um so so in 2006 the book comes out walk me through a little bit about how like from there to 2016 it's a 10-year gap uh how did things progress so after, I would say in about 2009 is when um, I partnered up with these two other women. And it was called actually at the time, Women Helping Women Mastermind. And then I started getting involved in doing, you know, events and doing the workshops and the lunches and all, luncheons and all of that type of stuff for women. But I was, um, you know, also trying to, you know, make money at that time. And I think I, at that, those, that period of time, I would actually kind of like created, like, I'd say my own job, like, you know, money wise. So I wasn't making a ton of money, but I was just making enough, you know, to, uh, you know, survive and equivalent to a job. Like I wasn't breaking through. And I did a lot of years of that because I, you know, was studying online marketing during that time, but I just wasn't having what that. Were you, what were you selling? Like, how were you making just enough? Was it still through the divorce book or had you moved into other? other oh, no. At that point, it was selling like we would sell, you know, tickets to an event and then we would split the revenue model with we have speakers come and then they would sell from the stage and we would get half and then they would get half. But I was splitting it, you know, as well with the partners and I didn't have any, any continuity or anything that was reoccurring. I also did coaching. I would uh, do done with you funnels, you know, and charge people to actually um, make funnels with click funnels uh, once I came out and stuff too, but it didn't really, um, it took many years. And during that time, it's another thing too, is I got like a lot of slack too, like, especially, you know, during my, my ex-husband used to make snide comments to me, like, why don't you go get a real job? You know, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs have heard that, you know, what are you doing? You're only making that, that amount of money, you know, go work at McDonald's. He used to tell me. <laughs> what, what, what did he used to do? What was he doing? Well, he was in IT and computers, but then he's disabled. So he has not worked in a very long time. So he does nothing. Basically. No, I meant back at that, back at the time that he was telling you to get a real job, what was he doing? That he, oh, he was, well, he was actually disabled at that point. Yeah. But he was, you know, he was in IT and, you know, working big computers at one point, but yeah, he was just very, you know, critical. He was saying that too, because he was, you know, they were taking when he was working in IT, you know, his wages would be garnished because he, you know, couldn't be trusted to pay child support on his own. So obviously he didn't want to pay, you know, so the less I met, you know, he was like, he wanted me to make more. So he'd have to pay less. Basically <laughs> there was an agenda there. Uh, but it's funny too, because now looking back and my son just recently said this, like, oh, isn't funny that dad used to say those things to you. And now you've made millions of dollars, you know, and he told you to go work at McDonald's. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of ironic, right? But it sounds to me like it was also you, you seem to be like, you said, Hey, I turned my father's death. And I was like, no, I'm going to fight. 
seems to me like every time you hear stuff like that, you're not the types to say, oh my God, they're being so mean to me. I'm going to be sad. You you seem like you've got that. There's something inside of you that just gives rise to the fighter where you say, oh yeah, let me show you. I want to talk more about that because I'll tell you, you, you do it so elegantly. And that's the part, Christina, that baffles me because you've got this freaking ferocious fighter inside of you, but from outside, cool as a cucumber, such a sweet person. Usually people that got that kind of fight inside, they're no abrasive on the outside also. So I, I, yeah, I love, I love that about, can you talk a little bit about that? Like you've got this ferocious fight inside of you. You've got this person saying all these bad things to you. They're going through a horrible situation. Your father passes away. You've got kids to take care of. And somehow you're turning that into fight. What was it? Is it, is it just that I'm not going to give up? Was it something you read or heard? I know you said you kind of don't know where the fight came, but it came after your father's passing away. But you've kept it. Like, it stayed with you. So there was, like, there's something there I really feel like someone needs to hear something from you about. Well, thank you. Um, I think it, it might be a lot to do, you know, with my late father. His personality was very much, you know, the fighter. And he he was in the music business. Um, so he was a manager for many years and he had lots of ups and downs, but he was always, you know, fighting and always, you know, uh, rebirthing himself. You know, like he, actually his logo was the Phoenix bird. So it's actually on his headstone, the Phoenix bird, because he, you know, he had cancer when he was uh, 32, stage four, when I was seven and he almost died. And uh, he fought through that and we built his business and, you know, he didn't die from cancer. I mean, it was amazing, but, you know, he did the heart got him because he was, you know, rock and roll and, you know, not eating right. And, you know, how that is in that business, you have to be out drinking and all that type of stuff. But um, yeah, so he was, uh, that was his personal life. So I think I take a lot after my dad so that, you know, we, we just plow through things and, you know, like I, it's a challenge. Like we always just have to you know, something comes up and then you're just like, no, I'm going to figure out a solution. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this and I'm not going to stop. And, you know, during that time period too, from 2006 to 2016, I started getting horrible migraines, which um, now they're much better, but at the time they were really, really bad. Um, So like um, that was another issue. And what, what was ironic about it was when people would say, well, go get a real job. You know, I'm like, well, how could I get a real job when I'm like getting 20 migraines a month? Like I can't, you know, go out and work. I'll be fired. But that actually, thank God that actually happened because if I had like felt and said, oh, God, I'm going to go get a job, you know, I would not be here today either. So it was like it prevented me because I couldn't get a job. I had to do online marketing because, you know, there'd be times when I'd be on calls and not on camera and I'd have like a ice pack on my head many times, you know, trying to plow through that and the pain and everything. And but it gave me, you know, being an entrepreneur and working from home gave me the freedom, you know, to, to do that. Whereas having to go show up at a job would just been, you know, and if I had done that, that would have, you know, never, I would have totally not been where I am today. Isn't that crazy? So like, we're looking at your life and it's like everything that happened that is horrible in a lot of people, like there's people who live with migraines. It's, it's horrible. Like I, I've had some migraines in my life. I've certainly not been at the point of 20 at a, you know, in a 30 day period, a migraine is like one of the worst things. Like it, it just will knock you out. You can't think. And I obviously have a lot of health issues. I've, I've talked about them on my podcast. I mean, any health issue, it just completely will wipe you out. But you, I just, I think the more you talk, we just keep, I keep going like this. It's like, well, you had this, 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 this. And yet it all was like 
guiding you to a very specific place, which is where you are today with the opportunity to empower 665,000 women. And if at any of it didn't happen to you, you wouldn't be where you are today. If you didn't have the migraines, you may have gotten a real job um, and then you wouldn't be here today, right? If you didn't have, um, you know, if you didn't have what happened with the divorce, you may not be here today. So, um, so okay, so so basically going back, uh, so you, you get into this, you start to help, you're, you're part of this group with your partners, you're helping women. Talk to me about, because you've turned, I mean, you've turned tragedy not only into millions of dollars for yourself, into a better life for yourself, into happiness for yourself, but you've done the one thing so many people dream of, which is you've created impact. 665,000 women in your Facebook group. First of all, what is the name of the Facebook group so that all our listeners can know about it? It's a Women Helping Women Entrepreneurs. So that's the name, Women Helping Women Entrepreneurs. 665,000, I'm sure it's from all over the world. How? Like, I don't even, what question do I ask you? Like, tell us like how you built this thing. You did it so quickly because you launched in 2016. It's only 2023. And I met you in 2022, it was already at 600,000 back then. So you've done it in a few years. What is this? Like, how did this come, how did this transpire? Well, when I, you know, I started the group and um, it started to, uh, we started, you know, getting more and more people joining. And I quickly realized that, you know, at the time when I first started, I was still taking clients and doing coaching, but then I, I was getting the same sort of people in the group who were also doing similar things that I was doing. So I'm like, all right, I got to think of a different model for this because I don't want to be competing with my members. I want to lead the members and give them a platform to promote their businesses. So then I decided to make the group about the members. And I think that's what happens with Facebook groups. A lot of times is one of the biggest mistakes people make is they make the group all about themselves and their business. And they'll name the group as well about like a name that is, um, related, maybe a very, you know, catchy name, something that's great for a headline or for, you know, website, but not for a Facebook group. So what I tell people always to do is, you know, do a search of what you're looking for on Facebook. And it's the simplest names that are, you know, what is your niche market? What is your target market looking for? What keywords would they put in in Facebook? And then see what groups come up and see what are the biggest groups. And of course, don't take anyone's name because I've had people do that to me several times and we're trademarked. <laughs> don't copy the name, but you get inspiration from it. And I think that's what really helped grow the group is it being women helping women entrepreneurs because the, the AI bots on Facebook say, okay, we got women in there twice. We've got entrepreneurs. So they show our group in other groups. And that's where you get the help from Facebook when they're, you know, they're going to start promoting your group and you want them to be doing that. That'll, you know, you, you recommend it in other groups. So that's what I think attributed to it. And also the fact that we very engaged groups. So once it became more about the members and they get to speak and, you know, post and um, that engagement level, they start inviting their friends and the people that they know who would benefit from it. And so, you know, it's like just how to turn it basically back over to the members and not make it like an all about me type of uh, platform. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen your, I've not joined your group, obviously, because I'm not a woman, but I've seen it from the outside. Yeah. And I think last we had spoken, you said you don't even actively, you're not that actively posting. I mean, it's your, your members are just posting like crazy and, you know, you get in there every now and then. So it's really not about you. So 
all organic growth. Did you do any paid advertising, buy any influencers, you know, get a big celebrity shout out? This was just good old, throw it to the Facebook algorithms, get the group active, serve them, and they just went berserk and grew the group. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we, we did, though, have, I would say, help from Facebook itself. Um, they took an interest in me in 2018, and they invited me to the F8 conference. That was the time in San Jose. And then in 2019, before COVID, this was February of 2019, they invited me to the community uh, summit that they had at Facebook headquarters with like 400 other community group leaders, um, which then led to uh, us being one of the commercials that Facebook had, like you saw, like, uh, it was like a, a year, year and a half ago, they were doing these group commercials. Um, they were putting them on Netflix and all over. And they did several commercials on my group and actually did the voiceover for a radio spot, which actually suck on Spotify and stuff too. Uh, still, once in a while, we'll still even hear the little commercial for the group. So I think that helped too, you know, that we had some support from Facebook. But you got that only because your group had already become probably by that point such a moving force, right? Yeah. Yeah. We were ready. By the time they took an interest, it was over, you know, probably a hundred thousand at that point. So they took an interest in the group and which was great. So um that was really nice to have that though, you know, to have that that interest through Facebook. But yeah, other than that, it was all, you know, organic and people recommending it to their friends and and uh, you know, in their people that they thought that would take an interest in, of it, but I have not like actively uh, promoted it through ads, which uh, people can do, by the way. I mean, you can't send an ad directly to a Facebook group, but you can make a opt-in page and then route them to a Facebook group. Would you say, um, you know, I want to come back to your story a little bit and talk a little bit about that, but just on the group's part, community, I think as we're getting into the new generations and kind of like web whatever point oh we're at community seems to come up a lot you hear the word community a lot it's become a it's become a common position at companies community manager you know um and would you say for most businesses e-commerce digital doesn't matter uh agencies consultants would you say group having a group a facebook group is kind of becoming like a must-have or are you still like meh it's pretty strategic. Like it's a lot of work. Like, cause I, I feel like Facebook groups are a decent amount of work if you want to do it well, but I don't know what, what is your outlook on communities, not even Facebook groups, just communities and their impact on business growth uh, coming forward in the future. I think there's extremely powerful communities. And I think Facebook is probably, probably one of the best places, you know, I, we also have a group on LinkedIn, which was much smaller, you know, maybe almost 4,000 members there are very tiny compared to our, our group in Facebook, but, and we have an app as well on the mighty networks, which has about 5,000, but nothing compared to the size, you know, and engagement that is on Facebook. So, yeah, I think it's really, really powerful. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot of work, you know, if you are, promote asking questions for engagement, getting people to engage. But if you have the members also posting it, it's not as, you know, as much work as you would think. And the, and the biggest thing for your business is growing your email list. So I've, I, we have over like, I think I have a total of 247,000 on my list. All majority of them have come through the group, the wow. emails. So, wow. you know, that's been huge because you don't want to just build a Facebook group 
and leave it, you know, not get collect the email addresses and not have that, you know, because you don't, obviously we don't own Facebook where I always say we're like renting, you know, on Mark Zuckerberg's lands, right? <laughs> so yeah. you have to have that backup and have your, your emails for your community. And so that's been huge, be able to get all those leads without, you know, paying for Facebook ads. Yeah. Awesome. So again, something you never thought you'd be doing if we just went back 20 years ago when you were owning a, a hair salon. Um, but then you go through one bad thing, through another bad thing, through a third bad thing, through a fourth bad thing, you know, things that in, independently would probably knock some people completely off their feet, but collectively would definitely knock most people off their feet. But you just found a way to harness every single bit of it and look at it in a way that, hey, you are here today because of each of those things. And so you're actually almost grateful for them having happened because they brought you to where you are today. And so the message I really want to resonate to everybody who's listening is uh, whatever you're going through, just uh, put a little board up. Say, what would Christina do? That would be the new board. That'll be the, that'll be the new motto, right? Turn that into a fight. Um, and, uh, you know, when we were, when the podcast was still called the fighting entrepreneur, I think Christina, we should have had you on that. It was like the perfect, it was, it was the perfect, uh, perfect name, but, um, you know, Christina, there's, there's a lot of people right now that are, that are going through some struggle that are going through some challenges. I would love to kind of close up this podcast by, um, asking you to talk to them. Like, what would you say? What would that Christina, that, that, that night that, or that morning decided I'm fighting? Um, what would, what would she say to them right now? I would say, you know, whatever you're going through, no matter how awful you um, just you have to keep going, you got to keep going through it. You know, you can't stop and give up and and watch what you're thinking about to your thoughts. You know, if you're going to be thinking and telling yourself this is the worst thing that's ever happened and, you know, I'll never get through this, that's all going to defeat you. You know, you have to find in yourself the powerful thoughts that will give you the fight, that will help you fight to keep going and to not give up. And I always like to love the story of, you know, the three feet from gold, you know, like the story of, you know, you're three feet away and you, the guy who quits, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's an old, old story. And yeah. then somebody else finds the gold because that person quit. So, you know, no matter how long it takes, I think a big problem is a lot of people see, you know, especially if you're struggling in your business right now, you know, you're not making money and you'll see other people who are very successful or saying they're successful online. And that could really make you feel terrible because you're like, gosh, what do they have that I don't? Why isn't it working? It's been years. Um, you know, it, the key is to keep going, though, you know, because you will get there if you don't give up. If you give up, the game's over. So if you keep that in mind, do not give up, just keep going. You have to redirect, you know, I redirected many times. I had to pivot, you know, with the, from the divorce book to the online marketing to where I'm at, you know, doing now, um, but you'll find your way if you keep in the game. So you really just have to keep going and find that strength within you to know that, you know, how this is going to, you'll look back, you know, visualize the future of you looking back one day and saying, wow, thank goodness that happened. You know, it's like seeing the the future and, uh, you know, envisioning that and how that feels to be not in the place you are, are right now. Because if you dwell on it and think how terrible it is, then that's just going to put you deeper into the hole. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, take what you're going through and figure out how to turn that lemon into lemonade is going to be really how I summarize this episode. Christina, where can people go to learn more about you, follow you and just, you know, be a part of your community? And you said women helping women entrepreneurs on Facebook. Is there a URL or anywhere else they can go as well? Sure. And a quick way to get there, we have a URL is just womenhelpingwomen.group. So womenhelpingwomen.group will lead you right into the group. And um, on Facebook, I'm Christina Rowe. You can follow me there on my, my personal profile. 
as well. And I have a page and we have the Women Helping Women Entrepreneurs page. So uh, we're on Instagram. So if you just put in Women Helping Women Entrepreneurs or Christina Rowe, you should be able to find us or just go to womenhelpingwomen.group. Yeah. Awesome. And if you are a woman who's looking for some, I'm telling you right now, I, I've had a sneak peek at what Christina's working on um, and some of the things that she's making available to other women. It is epic. I'm so proud and so honored to be a, somewhat of a part of it to just guide her and and uh, you want to be a part of the community. You want to watch what Christina's doing. It's going to be epic. So uh, again, everyone, uh, womenhelpingwomen.group will take you through the journey and get you connected to Christina and 665,000 other women. It's such a big number. I have to look at my notes to, to remember it. 665,000 other women. Thank you very much, Christina. To the rest of you, make sure you click subscribe, leave a comment, give us a big thumbs up. And if you're on an audio platform, make sure to leave us a amazing review. Um, and let's keep inspiring each other. And again, if you're going through that hard thing, you know what? Leave a comment under this YouTube video because we as a community, community will support you. You're not only going to get through it, you're going to turn that lemon into lemonade, everybody. This is Onik reminding you when life pushes you, stand straight, smile, and do what Christina did. Push it the heck back. We'll see you on the next episode, everyone. Bye.